I know your sermon outline this morning has a lot of blanks in it, but I'm still going to try to move quickly and fill in all the blanks as we go through. But, you know, um, I think it was common in the first century, and I think it's common today, that we just kind of instinctively adopt a spiritual arithmetic. And that spiritual arithmetic goes something like this. God is good. God is all-powerful. Therefore, the life of faith ought to be easy. That's, that's the way we generally figure things. If God is good, and God is all-powerful, he's sovereign, he's in charge, then life, for those who walk with God, ought to just be easy. And we probably know many people like that. People who encountered a difficulty in their life and said, you know, I was going to church and trying to do the religion thing and et cetera, and this tragedy happened to me, and I don't want to have anything else to do with God. Because the math broke down. The Apostle Paul is sitting under house arrest in Rome. He's got a soldier chained to him. He's a guy who has been shipwrecked more than once, beaten, stoned, imprisoned, The list just goes on and on. He knows that God is good, God is all-powerful, doesn't necessarily mean that the life of faith is going to be easy. In fact, what he knows is that the life of faith is going to be a struggle. So I I can picture the Apostle Paul. He's sitting at his table. He's got a scroll out in front of him, and he's only got so much space left at the bottom before he runs out of page. You know what I mean? You ever get a card from somebody where they're filling down the bottom and they still got something to say and they're writing up the side of the margin? And so you're, when you're reading it, you're turning the thing around like this, trying to, to read the thing? I got a couple cards from my mother that way, you know, just right around the edges. Of the, just keep Paul's like, okay, I, I got to get this in here before we get done. And he's, he, he wants, if you will, to give a final word of how it is that the people of God can take all of these blessings that God's poured out on them. We looked at those in chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians, verses 3 through 14, of being adopted into God's family, chosen by God, predestined for glory, all these wonderful blessings that God's given them. And Paul doesn't want us to leave any of those on the table. And the thought that enters his mind as he's chained to a Roman soldier is that if they're not ready for the struggle, they're going to lose it. And so he puts these words together. And I'd love for you to turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Going to read verses 10 through 24. Though we're going to really focus on verses 10 through 20. Verses 21 through 24 are kind of his final farewells, if you will, at the end of the page. The the conclusion, if you will. If you're using one of our pew Bibles, it's page 997. It's our last installment on a series in the book of Ephesians entitled Putting It All Back Together, which is God was putting everything back together, his relationship with man, man's relationship with one another, creation with God and man, he's putting it all back together. And if if you've missed parts of it or missed all of it, you can get all of these messages on our website. Just go there and you can click underneath latest sermons and they'll all be listed out for you. This is what Paul writes. It says, finally, Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. 
For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith, and with it you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. With every prayer and request, pray at all times, in the Spirit, and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray also for me, that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Notice that Paul's not asking that God would give him the words to talk his way out of it, because he's actually in under house arrest. He's awaiting trial. He's not, he's not asking for words to be able to get his, to talk his way out of his problems. He's asking for a way to be faithful in the midst of his problems. So pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may be bold enough in him to speak as I should. Tisicus, our dearly loved brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing. I am sending him to you for this very reason, to let you know how we are and to encourage your hearts. So Tisicus is the guy who carried the letter. They didn't have the United States Postal Service. You know, so he, they actually sent somebody with this message to the church at Ephesus. Peace to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who have undying love for our Lord Jesus Christ. So in order for us to experience the blessed life that Paul's laid out for us in the book of Ephesians, what God's done for us in Christ, in order for you and I to experience that, we, we have to be ready, Paul says, for the struggle. The thing you need to start with out of this passage, what Paul knows from experience, what Jesus taught is that the blessed life, living life by faith, is a struggle. It's a struggle. Sometimes we think we're just going to sign up, all of our problems are going to melt away, we're going to be able to see the answer to every, every challenge that we face, etc. And, and we just think it's going to be a, a walk in the park. And it's a struggle. How did Jesus conclude the end of the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you know what, I've been teaching you some good stuff. But let me bring you up to date on something. When you go out there and you start building your house, which is your life, guess what, it's going to rain, the floodwaters are going to rise, the wind's going to blow, and life is going to do everything it can to knock your life apart. It's, it's going to be a struggle. What do you say? You know, in, in the world, you're going to have trial and tribulation. You know? He said, but be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. James is telling his, his readers, you know, do not be surprised about the fiery ordeal that comes upon you. Life is going to be a struggle. And I got to tell you, many of us who struggle in our spiritual journey to move forward is because we don't, we're not ready for the struggle. 
We don't expect it to be a struggle. We don't, we don't want to fight the fight. We, we're, we're just not prepared. But Paul wants to start. Hey, listen, he, he's sitting in prison. I mean, he's been shipwrecked. He almost died. He got bit by scorpions. He's, he's been sitting in jail for who, who knows how long in Rome. And he's writing to these believers. He knows what God has given them. He knows the type of life they can be living, the kind of joy they can have, the kind of peace, hope, purpose, all that kind of wonderful stuff that we love to talk about. He says, you know what? You're going to leave it all on the table. You're, 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 you know? And, and he uses this word stand. He says, I don't want you to surrender one inch of the blessed life to the struggle. I, I don't want you to even back up one step and give back any of the territory that God's given you. I want you to stand firm. I don't want you to surrender an inch of the wonderful gifts that God's given you in Jesus Christ. So be ready for the struggle. And the blessed life isn't going to happen without a struggle. And and if you want to go and and read through the life of the Apostle Paul, you can see that he has credibility in talking about this. This is not a guy who got to sit in his ivory tower at the university who never had to deal with any problems in life. This is a guy who got beat up stoned, had churches who rejected him, people who, who, who literally ridiculed him, rejected him, gossiped about him, blasphemed against him. The list just could go on and on. He had all the problems you could possibly imagine. And he still says, you can stand firm. This guy speaks from what, of what he knows. Now, the second truth I want you to see that kind of emerges out of this text, not only is there going to be a struggle, but notice... What he says here in verse 10, in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God. Don't put on just parts of the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And and what Paul would say to us, if you're not fully prepared, you're really not prepared. If you're not fully prepared, you're really not prepared. And, And I know we want to make a lot of times of, you know, it's the... You know, it's the, it's the helmet of salvation and, it's, you know, it's the sandals of the gospel of peace and it's the breastplate of righteousness. And we want to make a lot of effort about why, what pieces are put where. I mean, Paul's literally sitting at a table probably writing and he's able just to look up and, and he just sees this Roman soldier who's dressed for battle. He's wearing his helmet, he's got on his breastplate, he's carrying his sword, he's got the belt on, he's got the sandals, and they, they would have actually covered part of his calves and gave him, he, he, you know, he's, just, he's, he's got a living picture strapped to him by a chain. And he's just ticking through all this stuff. But I think the spirit of what Paul's saying is, listen, if you're going to be ready for the battle, so you don't surrender one inch of the blessings that God's given you, is you have to be fully prepared, and that means you need to become who you already are in Jesus Christ. As a result of our faith in Christ, we, we, are, we, we are perfect in the eyes of God. We have perfect righteousness in Christ. But in order to stand firm, we have to become who we are. And there's pieces that make that happen. And so he starts to tick through this. He, first of all, he talks about truth. You know, now obviously in some ways this is God's truth. And the picture he uses is that of a belt. The Roman soldier would have worn a belt and and. He would have hung his sword off of it, would kind of hold his, his you know, the, the, the breastplate that they wore actually was kind of like, oh, it, we think about like a big shield on their chest, but it actually would have been like a coat of mail, like a, you know, like chain kind of thing. You see, it would have run down and would have gone over their thighs to give them full protection in the front from, and in, in the back from, from arrows and spears and 
blows of swords and etc. But all that stuff that had to be held up, so they would they put on this belt of truth, and then they could pull up their tunic and tuck into it. So they kind of made their their uh, their tunics into shorts, and so now they were ready for battle. They were girded up. Ready. Says you got to have truth, and and truth here, when it comes into our lives, when we become who we are in Christ, it means we get to a place of integrity. And here's how I'm defining integrity for us today, is that we agree with what God thinks. That's integrity. We, we get to a place where we know, you know what, this in my life is wrong, and this is right. We agree with God's understanding of what's right and wrong in our lives, what's godly and what's not godly. That's integrity having an agreement with God and be able to look at ourselves, to look at the world, look at others, and, and to do so from a perspective where we're in agreement with God. Not where we're in a situation to say, well, you know what, that's a problem for somebody else, but in my life God understands and it's not really a big issue. And that, That's not integrity. That's not truth. It's not truth in the inner bit. In addition to truth, he talks about righteousness. This is when you translate God's righteousness into our lives, it becomes godly character. And, and there's nothing that's going to make you more vulnerable in the spiritual battle to start surrendering some of the blessed life that God's given you if you don't have godly character. It's interesting, when I was in seminary, the, I went to seminary in 1983, graduated from college in the spring, started in the fall, and you know I got there, went to orientation. I was going to Southwestern Seminary. It was the, the largest theological seminary in the world. So I sat in this auditorium with about 1,600 people who were starting their first semester at seminary. And I remember at that point, the president of the, of the seminary, Dr. Russell Dilday, he stood up in front of us, and he was going through his thing, and, and, he, and, he, and he looked at us, and he said, listen. He said, if you've got sin in your life, this is not the place to come solve it. And, and what... What he was saying was that sometimes we think if we can just learn a lot more stuff about God, all of our problems are going to go away. And, and he, he said, if you've got a character flaw, it's going to make you vulnerable in ministry no matter how much you know. You, you've got to do some hard spiritual work with God and get your character where it's godly. And, and, and so he says, you know, as, if we're going to be ready for this battle, we, we've got to put on the character of God. We've got to put on God's righteousness. That has to become who we are. Then he talks about the readiness of the gospel of peace, having our feet shown, you know, red, that the sandals were like pieces of leather, but they would have little knobs on the bottom. They were kind of like cleats, like first century cleats, and it would allow them to maintain traction, if you will, when they were in battle. And, and, re, and I think this whole idea of the readiness of the gospel is you know what? We've got to accept the mission that God has for us. Paul defines it. He says, I'm an ambassador of the gospel, and I'm in chains. He said, you know, if part of this, if you and I are going to become who you, we are supposed to be in Christ, if we're going to be ready for the spiritual battle, we have to be ready to have our lives be about the things that God wants it to be about. Not what we want it to be about, but what God wants it to be about. And that is always for us to be a witness, to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and the list could just go on and on. Talks about faith here. You know, pick up the shield of faith. Uh, you know, um, one of the, the, the tactics in ancient um, warfare was they would fire these small arrows that they would dip, in, they would have like a, like, 
like some kind of a cloth around the front of it, and then they would light it after they would dip it in a, in a tar. So it would be burnt, and they'd fire it in to large crowds as the armies marched across the field. And so they, they got to where they carried these long shields that they kind of went from almost from your neck to your ankles. And they made them out of two or three layers so that as the, as the arrow went in, the, the flame would be extinguished. It would be put out. He says, man, if you, if you don't pick up faith where you trust what God says over what you think or what somebody else says, man, you're not ready to deal with all the attacks that are going to come against you. Because you know what? The, the enemy is going to be throwing doubt and confusion and temptation and questions. They're going to be throwing all this kind of stuff at you. And if you're not in the position to trust God rather than trusting something else, if you don't have the shield of faith, you're going to start surrendering territory of the blessed life. You're going to be fully prepared, not just partially, but fully prepared. The helmet of salvation, I look at this as we need to start thinking about ourselves the way God thinks about us. God looks at us and says, I see my son. Can't, can't love him or her any more than I already have. That they're perfect in the eyes of Christ. This is my prized treasure. And yet we want to put in all kinds of other kinds of things. We need to start looking at ourselves the way God does. I got to tell you, I I think many of us in this spiritual struggle, we start losing ground because we just lack confidence in our standing before God. I I can tell you, you know, I I played lacrosse in high school and college. My high school team was was one of the best. We competed for the state championship every single year. We won it as a junior. We lost the state championship my senior year. I mean, we were, when, we, when we stepped on the field, there was just, there was just a sense of, you know, we, we beat some teams like, you know, 21 to 2, you know, and we had our goalie playing forward and somebody who had never been in the net before. We were just confident, right? And you went out and you just performed to the best of your ability. When I got to college, especially the first couple of years, our team was terrible. Our coach had never coached lacrosse before. I'm thinking, why in the world are we doing this in practice? You know, it's just nuts. You know, and you get on the field, and, and you were just like, there was just an uneasiness. And you played much more. T- Paul said, man, you, you, you know, you need to put on the, the helmet of salvation. You need to know and be confident in who you are in Christ as you move out. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You know, and th- this is actually, you know, we're, uh, there's lots of ways to express this, and, and, and the word here is actually like specific scriptures applying to our lives. But at the end of the day, you're not going to win this battle with your thoughts. You're going to win this battle with God's thoughts. When Jesus was being tempted, what did he do? He quoted scripture. You're not going to win this battle with your thoughts, with how creative you can be, how smart you are. You're going to win it with what God has already said. You're going to win with God's thoughts. This last one, the word pray here, as he gets down to the end, he says, you know, with every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit and stay alert in this. I got to tell you, the battle generally is won before it ever starts. The battle is generally won before it ever starts. And prayer is where the battle really is won. And, and you know, I have, I have a, a nephew who's in the Army. He's a, he's a captain, just getting relocated out to California from, from Missouri and et cetera. And, they get up, and, and he meets his troops at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning for physical training every single day. The way they're ready to win the battle is because they've done the physical training first. Then they go home and take a shower, and then they go back and they go to work. Prayer is where the battle is won. You know, and 
and we're going to win it on our knees. You know, when I was, again, when I, all the sports I play, one of the things that coaches love to tell you is that you're going to play like you practice. If you're messing around in practice and doing dumb stuff, that's the way you're going to play. If we're messing around with our prayer life and just taking it casually, when it comes time for the battle, that's the way we're going to approach it, and we're going to give up territory of what God has given us. We're not going to stand firm. A few other truths I want you to see. The readiness for this challenge in our lives is both a God thing and an us thing. Look at verse 10. He says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord, right? God does the strengthening. We've seen that already come out. You know, if you went, look back over it in chapter 3, verse 16, Paul's making this prayer. He says, he, I'm praying that he, being God, might grant you, according to the rich of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. It's a God thing. Okay? But look what he says in the very next verse. He says, but you put on the armor of God. That's an us thing. Now, some of us, we, we, we kind of got this out of balance. One, we're, we're thinking it's all of a God thing. I, I, you know, hey, God's the one who has equipped me, you know, to, to strengthen me. That hasn't happened. It's his fault. It's not, not my fault. That's one side. Others of us say we're trying to do this all by ourselves. You know, we're, we're trying to toughen ourselves up and et cetera. And and it's an interesting way when you start thinking about it being God's, way, God's thing and, and us thing. And, and, and how do those things fit together? Because you've got the sovereignty of God. You've got the responsibility of man all mixing together. How does that work? And I don't have all the answers for that. I mean, there's been questions and stuff I've been looking at for years in ministry. But here's what I tell you. I, I think what God's really asking us to do is we, we need to be proactive in surrendering to his work in our lives. You know, I, I think sometimes in as wonderful and as helpful as accountability group and mentoring relationships and all those kinds of things are, sometimes in another they have the sense of that we can just manage ourselves enough. We can get godly enough. But really the heart and soul of it is are, are we really surrendering to God so that he can do this in us? It's an us thing and it's a God thing. And if we don't keep a firm grasp on both of those, we're not going to be ready for the battle. We're, we're, we're going to be surrendering territory that God's already given us in Christ. And Paul doesn't want that to happen. A couple more truths, and I'll be done. Because the burgers are probably already cooking. Any smell? Any smell? All right. If you're focused on the wrong battlefield, you're in trouble. What, what Paul's trying to say in this text is if you're focused on the wrong battlefield, you're in trouble. I, you know, I, I've read, I like to read history, et cetera. I haven't done extensive reading about World War II and in particular D-Day and all that kind of stuff. But, but a lot, of, I think, of the, the strategy for the Allies was is we know that the Germans expect us to land on the north coast, closest to England. And that's where they're most ready for us. So we're going to take the more difficult route. We're going to come in around and we're going to come in from the west. And we're going to try to catch them where they're not prepared to really fight. And I think sometimes this is where you and I struggle in our spiritual battle. Because we think most of our challenge is about the here and now. And it's really not. We, we think our challenge, if, if I could just conquer my circumstances, I'll be all set. 
Or if I could just get somebody else fixed, my parent, my child, my spouse, my boss, who, if I could just get them fixed, I, I'd have my problem solved. It's not the way it works. What, what does Paul say, you know? And I know we're, we're, we're in our generation, in our age, we have a whole hard time about this idea in verse 12 about the rulers and against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. And, you know, it, it just sounds too much like Harry Potter, right? You know, there's all these kinds of stuff. You know, and when witches and goblins, it can't be. What, what Paul said, there are, there are forces that are, quote-unquote, not of this world that are not in agreement with God's plan. And they have a heart to bring us down. And if we're not fighting this at a spiritual level, primarily the battle of surrendering the blessings of God happens in our hearts and it happens in our minds. We think it happens in our relationships. You know, we, we, we think it happens in our circumstances. It happens in our mind and it happens in our heart. And if we're not prepared to fight it in the right battlefield, we're not going to win. We're not going to win. Lastly, here's a, a truth that I really hope will sink in. Is that with God, we can do this. With God, you can do this. You, you, you can take all that God's given you in Christ. He's chosen you. He's redeemed you. He's brought you into his family. He's invested his knowledge in you. He's empowered you with his holy he's given you all these blessings and and you could actually stand the line and not surrender an inch of what god's given you if you'll just do it in agreement with god god really can put it all back together in your life and in this world in our church the list just could go on god can do this in us paul put it this way in a different letter and he's talking about the fact that he's you know, he wants to do this, but he does that, and he doesn't want to do this, and he keeps doing it, and he's going on and on. And he gets down and saying, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. You can do this. You can stand firm and not surrender one inch of what God has poured out on your life in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for us, for me, the people we're going to minister to is that we can do this and that we will do this in Christ. God has done marvelous things in Jesus Christ. And that flows into our lives. And if we will live it in a manner worthy of him, the experience both here and for eternity will be something that's beyond description. That's what God gives us in Christ. So the question I think really comes down is, one, are you anticipating the battle? Are you prepared for the battle? And are you winning the battle? Let's pray together. God, I don't know, maybe I could just express in my prayer what maybe many other people are, are thinking here this morning. God, what, it, it'd just be so great if you just snapped your fingers and all of the spiritual warfare went away. I don't understand why you haven't done that. I, I know it's because you're really looking for more and more people to experience the grace that comes through Jesus Christ 
before you put an end to the conflict. So God, in the meantime, we've got to live here. Father, help us be ready for the battle. Help us to anticipate the battle. To do so with your provision. To become who we are in Christ so that we can be victorious. And you might use us. God, thanks for the things that you've taught us from your word in the book of Ephesians. God, there's lots here that we weren't able to get into, but God, continue to feed us and to grow us and to shape us. And God, above all, give us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.